Father, we come before you right now. We just thank you, Lord, because you are our way maker, my God. Thank you so much, Father, because even when we don't see things, even when we feel like everything's stacked against us, my God, you are working on our behalf, my God. Even if we don't see it, if we, even if we don't understand it, my God, we can trust in you because you are faithful. You are true, my God. You have never failed us and you will never fail us, my God. So, Father, we thank you, my God, for the opportunity that you give us to join together as a church family to worship and exalt your name, Father God. You are our way maker. You are a miracle worker. You are a promise keeper, my God. Thank you so much, Father. Thank you so much. We worship you, my God. Come on, chat. Just take a moment. Take a moment. I don't know if you feel the sweet presence of God in this place right now, but take a moment and just worship God right there where you're at. Father, we thank you, my God. We thank you for your blessings. We thank you, my God, for working in our lives, my God. Despite what we see, despite what we understand, my God, you continue to work on our behalf, Father God, for your glory and for your honor, my God. We thank you, my God. We love you, Father God, and we bless you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. God Squad Church, make some noise. Let's go. If you didn't know, my name is Pastor Savage 85. I am an in-real-life pastor who just loves the Lord and loves to bring Jesus into every single space and every single place possible. Amen. It is so good to be together again with my God squad family. It's been uh, a while since our, uh, our squad con. And I think we had a great time during squad con. I'm glad that I was able to join together with God squad. It's so good to see you guys here today. Thank you so much for taking uh, your, your time out. Uh, you could have been anywhere, but you chose to be here. And I believe that God has you here for a reason, for a purpose. I believe God is going to speak to your life, to our lives today in Jesus name. Before I uh, dive into what we're going to talk about today, I do want to thank pastors, Amanda, Boz, TJ, AJ. Thank you so much for the opportunity. It is not a small thing to share the pulpit with somebody, to share the opportunity to speak with somebody, so I don't take it lightly, especially knowing the impact that God Squad has had in my own personal life. So thank you so much for the opportunity to be here. I bring you greetings from my wife, Ruth, also known as Miss Savage, uh, and our two kids. Our kids are upstairs right now. Hopefully, hopefully they're not tearing down the house. Hopefully they're just chilling. My wife is on vacation. She had a girls weekend uh, scheduled since the pandemic. Uh, and they were finally able to get together and go uh, this weekend. So I'm really excited for her. Shout out to all the girls that are with her. If they are tuned in, uh, I hope that you have a great rest of your weekend and that it is a restful weekend away from kids and chores and that you guys are just able to enjoy your time together. Can't wait for you to get home, babe. That being said, I believe that God has a special word for you today. I'm glad that you are here today with us. So to get started, I want to read out of Luke chapter 15, but before I read it, I need you to understand we're going to go through about 12 or 13 verses all at once. So so, so get comfortable, get your Bible out, get your notepads out, because we're going to get into God's word. Amen? All right, Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 24. The word is read in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. I'm reading out of the NIV version Bible. So if you uh, have your NIV version, then follow along with us. If you do not, then you can follow along on the screen. It says, Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided the property between them. 
Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth and wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to fields to feed the pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, when he came to his senses, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and earth against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and he was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine, who is dead, is alive again. He was lost and he is found. So they began to celebrate. Father, we come before you and we pray that throughout these next few moments that we share together, Lord, that you would reveal your word to us, my God, that you will speak directly to our hearts. Father, I pray that I would go absolutely mute in this moment, Father God, and that it would be your Holy Spirit speaking to me and through me, Father God. Father, speak to us today. We receive your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Church, listen, I believe that we are in a season, in a time where God is calling his children back home again. I feel like over the last few months, God has been impressing on me the fact that he is calling children that were lost, that were once a part of the family and have uh, strayed away or have backslidden. He's calling them back home again. And those who didn't know that they were a part of the family, he's calling them back home again. We are living in a season where God is calling his children home again. So today, if you feel lost, if you feel alone, if you feel like God is far from you, I want you to know that we are all on a journey. God is taking us all on a journey called life. And throughout this journey, there are things that you have to know in order to understand what God is doing. So today, I want to give you three keys. Three keys that will set you up for the greatest comeback ever. I believe that God is calling us home again. So if you will look with me in, in 2 Peter verse 3, I'm sorry, chapter 3, verse 9, it says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. I want you to understand the first key of these three keys that you need to know about the journey. The first one is this. God is wanting and waiting for us to come back home. God is waiting for us to come back home. And it's interesting to me that in this passage of scripture, we see that it says that the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, but that he is patient. And it's so funny how we sometimes 
take the word slow and take the word patient and think that they mean the same thing, and they don't. Slow is a speed that you run in, that you move in. Patient is the speed in which you wait. I'm going to say that again. Slow is the speed in which you move. Patient is the speed in which you wait. And I believe that God is patient with us because he is allowing us time. I'm going to say that again. He is allowing us time because Jesus is coming back for his church. He is wanting his children to come home again, but he is giving us time to make the right decision. He's not being slow to answer. He's being patient to answer. God, why? Well, why don't you answer my prayers? I, I pray all the time, but you don't answer me. I feel like you don't hear me. It's not that he doesn't hear you. It's that you are still learning. There's still something that you need to learn in this time. God's not holding back from you. God's not slowing down for you. God is being patient with you so that you have time to realize the process that God has you in, the path God has you on. It is not the Father's desire that any should perish. He doesn't want you to be lost. He wants you to be found. He wants you to be on his path. He wants you to be on, on the right path and in his will. So he'll give you time. He could have returned years ago, but he is giving you time to establish a relationship with him. I didn't say for, for you to, to repeat the prayer of salvation. I said that he is giving you time to establish a relationship with him. And it takes effort on your part. Now, there are many of us that, that shouldn't even be here today. Some of us should be in jail. Some of us should be dead. Some of us should be in, in other places. But for some reason, God has us here. And, and what's crazy is that many of us don't see God working until something extreme happens. I had one of my young adults who preached a sermon once that was titled, Nobody Does Anything Until Somebody Gets Offended. And how true is that for life? We don't see protests. We don't see people caring about things that matter. We don't see uh, people going out and, and, and doing something until somebody gets offended, until something happens. And for many of us, we don't see God until something drastic happens in our lives. Now, is that God's fault or is that our fault? Because I submit to you this, if we were in a relationship with God, then we would know how he works, when he works, why he works. My wife can call me on the phone and I don't need to look at the, the, the caller ID. I don't need to ask who this is because as soon as I hear her voice, I know who's calling me because I've taken time to be in relationship with her. So I know her voice when she speaks. We feel like God abandons us because we don't see him until something drastic happens. I believe that a real friend, a real friend is not the one who says, hey, man, when you're going through something, uh, hey, if you need something, let me know. Hey, if you, if you, if you need something, I I'll pray for you. That's not a real friend. A real friend is the one who says, hey, where are you? I'm going to you. I want to be there with you. I don't want you to be alone. That's a real friend. And I believe that's who God is to us. And I can show you that biblically. If we look in Philippians chapter two, verses five through seven. It says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God as something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing 
by taking on the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. Jesus risked it all. He put it all on the line for the biggest hard carry that we have seen in history where he wanted us, he chose us, he provided a way for us to get back home again. He was never content with you walking this out alone. He always wanted to be the one to lead you back home. God is calling you. He's calling me. He's calling all of us back home again. And he provided Jesus to pay the price of our sins to allow us access back home. So the first key is that God is waiting for all of us to come home again. The second one is this. The route home will look different. But what's important is not the how, it's that we arrive. And for all of you theologians, I know you're saying, wait, 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 but, but there's only one way, and that's through Jesus. You're right. John 14, 6 says that he is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. You are right. But if I were to ask you, and this is going to be a shameless plug for SquadCon, but if I ask you how to get to SquadCon, everyone's going to have a different answer. Everyone's going to have an answer based on where they are. In the same way, God has marked out a path and a process through Jesus for your life. It's not going to look the same as everybody else's. And that's our problem. We love to compare. We are victims of comparison. And I remember being in Ocala, Florida, sitting at a red light, thinking to myself, as the light turned green and the cars blew right by me that were already uh, moving, I asked myself, man, why couldn't I be like those cars? I could have already been at the highway by now. And the Lord told me, because the path I have you on is set for a, sp a specific speed that I have you on. There are things I need you to learn here and now before you run that fast. Because if I let you run that fast and you're not prepared for it, then you're going to fail. Oftentimes, God's not going to have you on the same path as everybody else because he doesn't want you to fail. He has given you a grace for this season, a grace for this pace, so that when you move, as you move, you can be successful. God's intent was not for you to fail, to go fast and fail. It was to go securely, learning and growing so you would be successful in his plan and his purpose for your life. Jeremiah 29, 14 says, I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. In other words, God will bring you back home. You could look at your life and you could think that there's no way that God could use you or that God would want you or that God would choose you. But the reality is that it is in your weakness that he chose you. It is in your weakness and in you being lost that he chose you. He knows your deepest, darkest secrets. And instead of judging you like everyone else, he looks at you. He loves you. We've been going over the three keys needed for the biggest comeback, the greatest comeback. And we talked about how God is waiting for all of us to come home. You, me, all of us, God is waiting for us to come home. It is the will of the father that none should perish. The second key was that the route home will be different, but what's important is not how, it's rather that we arrive. 
because God has a plan and a purpose with each and every one of us. And it's not that God's being slow when he doesn't answer. It's that God's being patient because there are things that we need to learn in the here and the now. And the third one is this. No matter how far you go, no matter how far you go, you are never too far from home. I remember watching an interview of Steve Harvey. Donnie McClurkin is interviewing Steve Harvey right after Steve Harvey rededicated his life to the Lord. And he's talking about how he went through such a dark, dark time in his life where he reached rock bottom. And in that moment, he heard the Lord remind him of a quote that his grandmother used to say to him. She used to say, baby, no matter how far you run from God, he is always right next to you. And I need somebody to understand this today, that it doesn't matter how far you've gone away, how much you've screwed up, how jacked up your, your life looks. It doesn't matter where you find yourself today. You are never too far from home. That's why Philippians chapter one, verse six says this, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. You know what's crazy about this verse? That the Lord is calling the work good before he's calling it complete. I'm going to say that again, just in case you missed it. The Lord is calling the work good before he called it complete, which means that even though you are in a process, even though things are not all worked out and you don't have everything perfect, even though you are still a work in progress, know that God has called the work good even before he called it complete, because it is not you that can complete. It is not you that can figure things out and to put things together and to get your life right before you go to God. It is God telling you that in your weakness, I am perfecting you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. My plan and my purpose is mine. I'm here to lead you through it. It's not something for you to figure out. It's something for you to trust and follow. If there's anyone worthy of following blindly, it's the Lord. And how could you say that, Pastor? What do you mean? What do you mean I should follow God blindly? It means this. He has never failed us. He will never fail us. And with that track record, we can trust in who God is. That's why I don't need to know what God is doing, why God is doing, when God is doing. All I need to know is God. Because as long as I know God, I know he has everything under control. He knows what he's doing. All I need to ask God is to show me what I need to learn throughout this process. He called the work good before he called it complete. Now, you may have gotten to a point in your life where you feel undeserving, where you feel like the only thing you've done is earned death and destruction. The, the only thing that you deserve is to end everything. And if that's you, I want you to listen very carefully to what I'm telling you. Because just like the prodigal son came home again, the Bible says that he came to his senses and he came home again. God is wanting you to come home again. It's not too late. And even if you feel like you are unworthy, like God couldn't love you, like God couldn't choose you, I feel like God is speaking through the prodigal son's father in Luke 15, 22. 
where he said, but the father said to his servants, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. He is clothing him with the best that there is. Then after clothing him, it says, bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. There's some important parts of this that you need to understand that God is taking what was a mess, what was all jacked up in your life. He's removing that from you. He is putting on you the best robe, the best ring, the best sandals. He is putting the best on you. Then on top of that, from this decision that you've made to follow Jesus, there's a community around you that is celebrating. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Tonight, we talked about, or today we talked about three keys that you have to know in this journey that we call life. The first is that God is waiting for all of us to come home again. The second one is that even though the route may look different, the how is not what matters. What matters is that we arrive. And the last one is that no matter how far you run, you are never too far from home. So you have a decision to make. Will you continue to run? Will you continue to try and figure it out on your own? Will you continue to give in to the thoughts that you're not enough, that God couldn't love you, that God couldn't choose you, that God couldn't do anything with your life, that you're too messed up? Will you continue to do that or will you come home again? Or will you come home again? Because like a good father, the Lord is sitting at the gate waiting to catch a glimpse of you and bring you home again and dress you with the best clothes and celebrate because his child who was dead is now alive. He that was lost is found. Everyone in the chat, if this is you, making the decision to accept Christ's invitation to come home again. I want you to repeat this prayer with me right there where you're at. You don't have to type it in chat. You can repeat it with your voice. The Bible says that if you believe in your heart that Jesus is the Lord and that he died and rose again on the third day, and if you confess with your mouth that he's Lord, that you will be saved. So, so in your own place where you are right now, I want you to repeat this prayer with me. Say, Dear Lord, I recognize that I have sinned. I know that you love me. I recognize that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. And today I decide to accept your invitation to come home again. Take my life and do your will with it. Show me on this journey home what I need to learn to fulfill the purpose that you've put me on this earth for. 
I surrender all that I am and allow you to take absolute control. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. God bless you, God squad.